Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello, and a massively warm welcome back to Style and Substance podcast to our season finale. End of season five. Where did yeah. that go? I know. Cue the confetti cannons. <laughs> so we thought we'd do something a little bit different this episode and celebrate you guys. We've had, thanks to our plea, we've had some amazing reviews on the podcast after a little hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to share some of the lovely things that you're saying. And we also want to really celebrate you guys, our lovely listeners, by answering some of your burning questions. Yes, and we've had quite a few in, so we, we may have to pick some of these up at another time because there's there's a lot, and there's a lot of good topic suggestions as well. So we've got lots of fodder for season six, which is great. Yeah, and on, and on that, actually, if you have thoughts, we really do welcome them. So you can email me, Fiona at FionaHumberstone.com or Elizabeth at ElizabethKearns.com. We would genuinely love to make sure this podcast is is really serving you. So if you've got either a very specific question that you want answering or or just a topic. So one of the hot topics that we want to come back to as a whole episode is pricing, isn't it? Yes, we had a few people email about this and basically saying, can you unpick it all? And it's quite a complex area. There's lots of things to consider in pricing. So I think we'll probably do a whole episode on that. Yeah. We'd love to hear more about what creates the challenges for you with pricing? You know, what sorts of things are you having to consider? What do you struggle with? Or if you're nailing it, what's really working for you? That would be great to hear as well. Yeah. So yeah, do let us know that one and we'll do a whole episode on that at some point. Amazing. So shall we launch in with a question or shall we actually celebrate some of the lovely things you've been saying before we get onto the we can probably do two in one because we had a lovely question from Andrew Timothy O'Brien <laughs> and his question was how are you both so fabulous and I was just, oh darling thank you so much and actually while we're here let's do a shout out for Andrew's podcast if you haven't listened yet it is an absolute treat for the senses yeah garden deeds and words and it's beautiful I listened to it in the darkest days of the build and it was just like a comforting heated blanket of audio it was lovely yes so it's called gardens weeds and words and you know he his edit is definitely a whole other level from ours he brings in lovely music and you know there's bird song in there and there's beautiful Mm. poetry one I listened to yesterday I think was um featured one of Virginia Woolf's poems about Kew Gardens and it, oh, it's just beautiful yeah. so yeah yeah go on over and listen to lovely Andrew but yeah hit me with some reviews for you let's hear okay so lovely Sarah growthfully oh. said I reviewed Style and Substance in 2021 and I thought I'd do a little update 
The conversations Elizabeth and Fiona share are rich, informative and very human. I love the way you're weaving your expertise and guidance together with personal experience, feelings, struggles and successes. It all feels very real and inspiring. Thank you both. Oh, isn't that nice? Oh, lovely, Sarah. Thank you. That's really lovely. Yeah. So thank you very much. So enough patting ourselves on the back. (laughs) Let's have some questions. (laughs) Okay, question number one. This is one for you, lovely Fee, and it's around managing expectations in your work when you're still in the early stage of your business. And for context, this designer has written in and said, I'm referring to that frustrating stage of knowing you can do bolder and better work, but having to learn and practice, get feedback, refine your style and continue learning all the while trying not to get into too much comparison with others who are further ahead in their business or creative journey. How do we manage our expectations when we're in that early stage? Mm. So she's really talking about probably managing her own expectations as much as she is about her clients, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I guess a lot of this is about creative confidence, isn't it? And and that for me starts with under-promising, over-delivering. So being really careful to make sure that you're not promising people strategic resonant branding when you've been doing this for three days or three weeks. Yeah. You know, so so making sure that you're getting clients at the right level that can bolster your self-confidence, your creativity, your sense of accomplishment that you can almost grow with. Mm. So my own experience of this is you know, if, and I'd be interested to hear what you think as a coach, but if you can go in at a level where you know you can over deliver, Mm. that's going to do amazing things for your sense of confidence. So I think lots of this is about making sure that you are in a place where you are really confidently working with clients at the right level for where you're at and enjoying that process. And Taking your time. So I particularly think when you're starting, but any time you want to elevate, do the level of work that reflects where you want your business to be mm. rather than what people have paid you for. Uh, so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, you know, if your clients paid you for a logo design and a colour palette, but you want to be doing creative direction and you want to be doing bigger more encompassing branding projects will deliver that because once that's in your portfolio then people will see that you can do it and they'll pay you for it so there's that element of where as well of you don't need to have the permission from the client and what the client's paid for to be over delivering you know yes no client's gonna say thanks so much for the really beautiful amazing all-encompassing brand identity I only paid you for a logo and a color palette so could you please put everything else back like (laughs) 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 yeah yeah a whole box of chocolates instead of one if you can yeah yeah so I think that's that's part of it Hmm. I think the other part is this is where mentoring comes into its own because as you are learning and as you're growing it's and as you're in the thick of it it's really hard to see what's going on where you need to improve what's holding you back and it's 
particularly if you feel like you are in a place where you are under promising, over delivering, and your clients aren't keeping up with your vision, that can be quite frustrating creatively. So it can be great to have a really a really inspiring boost with some really visionary briefs that reflect where you want to be, you know. So I know with Elevate, I get them working on really exciting projects like a hotel or a, you know, a, a lovely cozy bolt hole in the woods. Well, if you're still working on really small projects with with clients that are thinking quite small, it can be hard to get out of that rut. So so taking on some really exciting work even if that's in the form of personal projects can also really help Mm, yeah and I think on the sort of mindset piece that she's mentioned here it's like um, that mentioning that frustrating bit about not getting into too much comparison with others who are further ahead I think it's so vital when you're in those early stages firstly to enjoy the learning and the development as much as you can and just don't just don't look at what the other people are doing it's almost like your business and your creative confidence at that stage is like it's a new seedling and yeah if you plant it next to a much stronger plant with deeper roots that's gonna that's gonna just suck it's all, gonna take all, all the energy energy, isn't it? gonna take all the energy and all the nutrients mm-hmm. away from that little seedling so you've got to protect it and i yeah. think one of the easiest ways we can do that is just just don't look and if, yeah if you're looking for design inspiration and you're you can look and you've said this lots before look outside of your industry for inspiration yeah. you don't have to be looking at what other designers don't follow brand designers don't follow brand designers yeah. i think just protect yourself from that comparisonitis because it is inevitable and then when you're stronger when you feel bolder when you're really feel like you're living into that creative potential then you know then you can open up your sort of sphere of reference a bit more but i think just just shut all of that noise out as much as you can to protect that comparisonitis There's a quote that I put into How to Style Your Brand, and I can't remember who wrote it, but it was about not comparing your beginning to someone else's middle. Yeah. And it's interesting because interior design is definitely something that I want to get into. And and I can totally see that at this point, you know, I've done up however many houses, I've helped friends and family with theirs. I've got a good, solid understanding, but I'm probably at the point where... I do still need that inspiration that Mm -hmm. comes from following really talented interior designers. You know, I don't don't have enough of a frame of reference yet to switch that off. And so if our listener is in that same place and and actually potentially it can be damaging to turn off because you're you know, you're missing that external reference and those ideas. I wonder whether it's just about being kind to yourself and remembering that analogy of the seedling and the tree and and just remembering that you're not the expert and that's okay. And I think there's so much noise right now about what, you know, where our businesses should be and the level that we should be pitching at. And actually there's a growth thing in this and it's I mean, I think that's almost the crux of the question, isn't it? Is how do you manage your expectations about what you're capable of delivering Yeah. when almost your eyes are bigger than your stomach? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how fast you can learn and develop as well. And there are things that will accelerate, like you say, that mentoring piece massively accelerates the amount that you can learn and what you can 
how you can almost it's not a quick fix but leapfrog your business ahead it's like going on a retreat really massively boosts your meditation journey or there Mm. are ways to accelerate that but I think having the expectation on yourself that you're going to have exponential improvement all of the time is just setting yourself up for a headache and failure and I think that thing about still looking at other references I think there is a difference between when you are in the exploratory stages of moving into something new and having all of that sphere of inspiration open to you versus when you're actually putting yourself out there. So once you get to that stage of maybe doing interior design, you might want to limit or curate what yeah. you're looking at more. Yeah. When I start feeling imposter syndrome exactly. rather than feeling inspired, that's when yes. I know that switch has flipped. Exactly. Yeah, that and that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. If what you're looking at lowers your energy, don't look at it. Yeah. If it brings yeah. you inspiration, brings you joy, uh, inspires you to do better, then you know no reason to turn it off. But but okay. gauge it on that feeling. Remove anything that feels even vaguely toxic, and just I, I think it's remembering that your confidence has to be nurtured, and we have to pay attention to that. So just be gentle with yourself. Mm. It will see yeah. gorgeousness. Yeah, definitely. Right. Shall we have a lovely, another lovely review? (laughs) Okay. So this one's from Marion B. Uh, She's (laughs) Marion said she had to, she had to make herself a nickname, but I think she's pretty well. (laughs) I think we know who this is. Both authors, both authors of really helpful books, The Empowered Entrepreneur by Elizabeth and Brand Brilliance by Fiona. The joint knowledge and experience shared in these episodes is huge. It's shared with beautiful energy and the candor of true friendship and shows how running a business can be both thoughtful and fun. Isn't that nice? Thanks, Marion. We love you. Marion is also the author of a wonderful book called Your Sustainable Garden. She is. Um, And another one coming out soon as well. Watch this space. We'll be plugging that when it's there. Very exciting. So next question. Okay. So this one feels quite relevant for a lot of people actually Uh, and we Mm. have touched on it a little bit in the past but let's see where we go the growth I've seen previously in my business in previous years isn't happening now how do I deal with it oh such a good question Mm -hmm. isn't it yeah yeah I mean how would you respond to this as a coach well I think first of all we can the the expectation of continual growth is something that is fed to us by, I mean, I'm going to get all ranty here, by by (laughs) capitalist patriarchal system um, and sets up potentially ridiculous expectations for small business owners. Yeah. Uh, So I think regardless of what's going on externally, and we'll get to that, the just the expectation that you should grow year on year and that growth should be exponential doesn't do us any favours. Firstly, no. because businesses go through flows and they and they should do mm. to regenerate and to set themselves up for the future. So lags in business are a natural part of sustainable growth because you might retract and, you know, it's similar to what you're doing actually in the business with the brand stylist now and spending time strengthening the foundations. Maybe you're doing personal development work. Maybe you're gestating a new product or a book you can't expect yourself to grow when you're diverting your energy into other things that are going to build things for the future and also Mm. you know we know that 
the economic climate at the moment cannot sustain the growth that we've seen in the previous boom years. And we saw, I mean, you and I have been through a recession before, but we saw this before and everyone was getting their knickers in a twist because the expectation of meeting the same numbers made us think that we were failing and then, oh no, actually we're going into a recession. So I think the key thing to remember in terms of how Mm. you deal with it is just because you're not hitting the numbers you may have been before, it doesn't mean your business is failing. So you have to put it in the con- in the wider context. And on that, because I know you, I can hear that you've got more to say. I think it's worth making that distinction between that emotional sense yeah. of I'm failing and that very visceral sense for some of us that... Actually, so I'm thinking about when I had the design agency and it was 2007 and my profit, you know, my gross profit margin was tight and my overheads were high and I had six, Mm. seven people to support. And that's a very different feeling to there's one of me. I don't want to feel like I'm making less profit, but actually as a family, we can survive Mm. if I if that happens so I think it's just worth making that distinction that for some people this will be a very real commercial issue and for some people someone's got in your head about what you where you should be at and those feelings of failure are magnified but that doesn't actually necessarily change the reality yeah no absolutely and I think I think on that is an opportunity to look at what we want versus what we need. You know, we have spoken about this before. Um, Mm. Do we need, yeah, what's What's enough enough? exactly? Do we need to be growing at a rate? Were those numbers realistic to start with? Um, I mean, obviously this particular question is phrased on, I'm not making what I was, you know, the numbers aren't the same as what they have been in previous years. How do I deal with it? Mm. Were those numbers you know realistic anyway whether sustainable as well so yeah there's all of that but I think also in terms of of how we deal with it there's an opportunity here to expand our definition of success as well and to look at the wider picture in order to feel more comfortable with perceived less perceived growth it's like well how else is your business thriving what other things are you getting from Mm. your work now over and above the numbers what does success look like in the broader picture of your life? I think it's opportunities to explore all of that piece as well. I think there's some holistic thoughts as well around what kind of place were you in a year ago or two years ago? And and if you're if you're kind to yourself and you're fair to yourself, have you been able to give your business the energy that and the time that you did two years ago? Now, maybe the answer to that is yes, and it's not working. But actually, maybe if you look back, you realise that actually you've had a lot of other stuff going on. And I think lots of people have post-COVID. It yeah. all seems to be coming out. Definitely. So so I think there's two parts, isn't there? The first part is how do you deal with it? With loads and loads of compassion for yourself, with a big dose of perspective yeah. and looking at the bigger picture of things. So understanding mm. what's actually happening. And then maybe there's some innovation and some creativity that you can bring to it so it, it doesn't just mean that you accept the fates and roll over and give up and it doesn't mean that growth isn't potentially possible but you might mm. have to innovate around how you do that 
And, you know, our places to start would be on nurturing your community, your audience, your list. Are you coming right back to basics and, and thinking, am I, it's an opportunity to batten down the hatches. Am I doing everything I can as well as I can to ensure this? And it might just mean that we need to put the rubber on the road a bit more consistently with certain things. So I think it's also an opportunity to innovate. It's an opportunity to think about how can I broaden my offering or how can I niche further? There's a number of ways to do this. And we talked a little bit about some of those things in Quick Wins, was it? Um, Quick Wins and Challenging Times. Yeah. Yeah. Go easy on yourself. The big picture for me is exponential growth isn't, isn't sustainable for every business and actually a healthy business doesn't necessarily look like that because everything goes in cycles and flows and a healthy business should do that too. I think the final thing I'd add to that is that from a practical perspective we have to put these artificial lines in the sand we have Mm. to say this is our year end and so if like me your year end is December and you know it would be easy to sort of think oh well this year's just been a, I mean, I'm not saying my year's been a write-off, by the way. But I, think it would be easy, I think it'd be easy to kind of go, oh, well, this year's just shaping up to be bad. Let's just give up. Yeah. Your business keeps flowing the whole way through. So actually the energy you put now into, you you talk about it in terms of seasons of like that winter of shedding the things that aren't working. I mean, one of the things I've spent the last week doing is I've rewritten the elevate page and I've rewritten Mm. the resonant brand method page and I'm actually really annoyed with myself for not having done that sooner and not having presented that in the most compelling way that I can and the the things that I can see that I've missed Mm. are ridiculous now that may or may not have an impact on this financial year but it will have an impact on my business moving forward. So I think that's the the last thing is to just, you know, we have to measure our businesses on an annual rate. We need some kind mm-hmm. of financial metric, but that doesn't mean that we have to stop start our efforts year to year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Fabulous. Okay. Uh, another lovely review or should we have another question? Lovely review. And then another question, I think. So this one's lovely from the Garden Bakery. Adore this podcast. It's like having two well-educated friends, thank you very much, with your best interests at heart round for a cuppa. Always inspirational and insightful. Love, love, love. Oh, thank you so much, That's gorgeous. Okay. Um, Oh, here's one for you, Fee. How do you recommend someone begin designing when they have no official training in design? Oh, I love that question. I think the first thing is immerse yourself in beautiful design. So start to notice how things are constructed, how they work. So start gathering a sketchbook full of inspirations, things that come through the mail, packaging that inspires you, maybe screenshot websites or Instagram graphics and start to break down what you like. Um, I've got an email series, actually, haven't I, on the fundamentals of design. So if you understand Mm. what those fundamentals are, it's in the book as well, actually, it's in Brand Brilliance. Um, things like space, alignment, hierarchy, that sort of thing. You can then start to look at 
designs that inspire you through that lens and start to understand how it works. Mm. It's it's a little bit like, you know, how do I learn to become a photographer? Yes, owning the right camera is going to help mm. you. But actually, Cecilina would say it was about light and composition and storytelling. And I, I think it's the same with design. So so definitely soak up some inspirations definitely learn the foundations and I think it's worth bearing in mind that if you want to charge people for a service you know just as I wouldn't go to a dentist that was completely (laughs) (laughs) self-taught I probably I probably would expect a designer to have done some investment Mm. in their learning you know it's I think we're in this funny situation, aren't we, where because there are so few barriers to entry, whether it's coaching or or design or massage, you know, there's very, I I don't know, some of these things are probably regulated, but there's lots of things we can do these days that don't have to be regulated. I mean, even things like a plumber, you know, the plumber we had in our house, I didn't ask to see his certificates. I just mistakenly trusted that if he told me he was a plumber, <laughs> he wouldn't flood my house three times as he did. So I think um, don't don't think that this is something that you need to do without support. Um, so I'm going to say take Elevate. I'm going to say study the resonant brand method because that will give you the robustness and the integrity of process and vision and way of thinking to really serve your clients with integrity yeah and actually even before those two well maybe not even before but certainly as an addition to those two things I'm, I'm gonna unashamedly shameless, shamelessly plug design for go-getters yes is brilliant yeah fundamentals in design and you know as an entrepreneur having worked through that course not just from the back end but mm. you know for myself as well it's the foundations of that design I, I actually think every designer needs to take that particular course. And there's a lot to be said for, you know, reading and absorbing everything you've ever written. <laughs> Your blog. Um, and, and, and other, you know, other references, other people as well, you know, it's not... there are other people out there that, that can help. No, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, really? not going rec- to recommend anybody else, but, but yeah, no, I mean, genuinely now, particularly with the resonant brand method, and I don't want this to come across like a sales pitch, but I, I do see the robustness in that, having worked on it from the inside with you. And I do genuinely, yeah. I've been saying, lovely listeners to Fee for a long time, that she just needs to either be lecturing at a university with this stuff or starting an actual design school. Because if the, design, if, if the designer from scratch has some sort of personal taste, style and flair to go with it and that inspirational bank that you were talking about, I absolutely think if they go end to end with what you have out there and the resonant brand method Mm. that they will come out, you know, with Elevate Mentoring as well, they will come out as an exceptional designer. You know, I genuinely believe that. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) Now that you've picked me up, I feel like we should do another question rather than more patting on the back. back Okay, uh, here's a nice one. When is it time for thinking about a co-worker or to expand your business? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah, and there's lots of different ways to expand, isn't there? I mean, we've, we've, yeah, we've both done this. What's your thoughts? Well, I think the first thing I would say, having, having had a design agency and having managed people and all the 
expenses and angst that comes along with that. I think personally, I would challenge that expectation that to have a credible business or to to have business success in adverted commas that we need to add people in the first place yeah I think some people are certainly people on the payroll well whether it's people yeah maybe I think it's about knowing yourself and and sometimes we can only know ourselves when we've been through it and we've gone oh that wasn't for us but I know that I do not want to spend my days being an HR manager. Yeah. You know, it's just not my happy place. Mm. And so I know that success for me looks like not employing people. Yeah. So I, I really would challenge that notion mm. that that this is the normal course of a successful business, that you start on your own, at home, then you get a premises, then you get a member of staff, then you get five, then you get 10. You know, that might be the way you want to go and and that might be how you want to spend your day. You know, there are lots of phenomenal people managers out there. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can't have a successful, joyful, creative business, just you on your own. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And I think it has to be in line with your vision, you know. Yeah. What- what do you actually want to achieve? So not just your skill set as to whether and, and your preference as to whether you want to be managing other people, but where do you really want to take your business? And some businesses won't reach their vision without that. But I yes. think, yeah, challenge the assumption that it's necessary. So in terms of when is it time to think about a co-worker, I work with a lot of businesses who get themselves to a point of overwhelm and then have to recruit. One of the things I think... I've learned from that experience is don't wait until you're overwhelmed. Yes. Transitioning of getting people on board with your processes, your style of working. And particularly if they're new, if you're new to managing people or if you're new to those relationships, it takes time and it doesn't always work first time. You're very lucky if you find the perfect person to fit into that role and it all goes smoothly from the get go from day one. And if you're trying to manage that process, whilst you're also in overwhelm and trying to deliver on client expectations and the jobbing of your business, then that can be a recipe for burnout pretty quickly, actually. So I would say, Mm -hmm. look ahead and don't wait until you're overwhelmed and allow yourself a bedding in period and allow yourself to create enough flexibility when you're hiring, particularly when you're hiring, um, because once you've hired someone and they're on the payroll, a lot of people don't fire quickly enough. <laughs> I mean, that's yes. like a lot of fast growth scale up and um, fast growth startups. One of the early biggest mistakes that, that the leaders make in that is they, they get the wrong people in and they don't get rid of them quick enough. So one of the things mm-hmm. I think you remember in that initial stage is make it flexible. Give yourself time to test and learn whilst you're bedding people in. That's not that you have to go in with the assumption that everyone's going to be terrible and you know, you want to start the relationship off in a really positive way. But I think building in flexibility around that is really key. Such a good point, because I'd forgotten about that. But that that was one of the reasons I loathe people management, because you have to you have to really treat them a bit like a commodity and think, are they doing their job? And I'm way too sensitive and way too emotional for all of that. And yeah, hideous. What you're also reminding me of is I got a lovely message from Andrew, Garden Sweets and Words podcast, brilliant. 
listening to our podcast on overwhelm and he was saying I'm listening to you saying that you're hating the admin why don't you just get a VA Mm. so and I think there's two things on that so virtual assistants VAs can be a great way of lessening the burden on your business and and allowing you to grow without taking on people you know without all that admin burden potentially and I've had virtual assistants both in this business and in my previous company Mm. and I've made a very conscious decision not to do that right now Mm. Um, and that's mostly and this goes back to what I said right at the start of this question I want a very uncomplicated business I want a really streamlined simple business I mean you and I are constantly talking about you don't want to you want to keep your monthly overheads low whereas I'm constantly signing up for another 15 quid subscription here (laughs) or there so I I I wouldn't say mine is is super super low cost or whatever we call that Mm. um but but to me it is a conscious choice not to recruit brief check the work of a virtual assistant and pay for that I would rather spend two days doing admin that I really don't want to do Mm. than have that overhead Mm. and that weight of a VA yeah that's interesting and also I think it that um, speaks to me about skill set as well because when it's time to start thinking about expanding your business or bringing other people in could be when you start to realize that there's a skills gap um, yes. so you absolutely can and and you are also incredibly efficient at that stuff I know it's not your greatest yeah. joy but no, you, you can do the writing you can do and that. there's a lot um, sorry go on no I was just going to say there's a lot to check yeah, yeah so yeah. the amount of briefing explaining checking I would have to do would almost be three quarters of what it would take for me to just do it myself so it actually wouldn't streamline for you so you're very efficient but if there's an area of your business that you don't have the competency in and it's not actually easier more efficient more joyful more beneficial to do it yourself then then look at that you know that's Mm -hmm. when you do start to look and and that can be in any in any sort of sphere from whether it's you know bringing someone in who can crunch the numbers better or do the virtual assistant piece or do the product development or a time to start thinking about it is when you notice there's a skills gap that's getting in the way of your ability to deliver on either your vision or to give the client experience that you want to be able to give when you want to grow your business and you just simply don't have capacity or not even necessarily when you want to grow your business from a revenue point of view, but if you want to start scaling back. So I have a couple of clients who are future planning ahead and thinking, actually, I now want to wind my business back to three or four days of my time a week because I'm moving into a different phase or I've got this other passion project I'm working on. That can be the time, you know, if you want to start reducing the amount of energy input time that you're having to bring in that can be a great time to recruit so Mm. in a nutshell it's do it in line with your vision don't assume that you have to in order to run a successful business do it sooner rather than later so that you're not firefighting as you're doing it um, and give yourself a flexible in or out of that process Mm. yeah fabulous we covered it i think we have so i think we've got time for 
one, maybe two more questions. How about this one? And I think this one's a really nice, concise answer, probably. How do you stay energised and inspired to keep going in business when it's tough? If context is needed, I mean, COVID, lockdown, kids homesick every week, having a steady stream of new clients fizzing out, the current economic situation and poor thing, she goes on. So what would you say to that, Elizabeth? Well, it might be a bit of a cop out, but I'd say there are three, maybe four podcasts to go and listen to. (laughs) Um, The one we've done on inspiration, the one on vitality, the one on quick wins and the one on purpose, because I think that's there's so many aspects to that staying inspired and keeping going and how you manage your headspace. Um, And I think we probably cover the breadth in in those podcasts so go and listen to us some more sorry is the answer to that one <laughs> no not sorry how lovely that we have a wealth of resource already for you guys <laughs> <laughs> okay can I throw a quick one at you then yeah is it better to have a brand under my own name this is a designer who's writing in about this or should I present as a studio oh I love this question because I have literally just done this this week with a client so I've got a client who is she's a florist and she's doing quite high-end weddings and we've done all sorts of streamlining and and clarifying from you know looking at her website which sadly she only invested in last year and looking at what's missing for example there was no portfolio on there Um, so we've rectified that we have streamlined her creative style because there's lots of projects on her Instagram and on her website that just don't reflect the caliber of what she's capable of or the minimum spend that she's got so you know there's there's a trust issue there and she is categorically capable of doing these visionary, beautiful designs. Mm. And it, it goes back to that thing, I think, of we talked about, um, you know, sometimes we have to take on projects to pay the bills, but that doesn't mean they go in your portfolio. And and there's, yeah. you know, there's quite a lot of that going on. Um, so we streamlined lots of that. We streamlined her clarity and, and what she wants to be known for. But I had this niggling discomfort about her company name, which sat with the projects that it felt like she shouldn't be showing rather than where her business was at now and what she wanted to be known for now and the kind of clients she wanted to resonate with now and I do feel with floristry with interior design often with photography there is a definite industry standard if you like to be known by your own name there's there's more of a cachet often to be known by your own name than under a studio. It it almost feels more elevated, whereas okay. in lots of spaces the reverse is true. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you know, it's it's not about following the industry norm as such and, and just going with that. It's always about a conscious choice. But yeah, I think it's an interesting one. So it depends what kind of designer you are. Are you a graphic designer? Are you a brand designer? Are you an interior designer, garden designer, web designer? You know, there's endless designers and it very much depends. But I think there can be some real kudos around 
Fiona Humberstone studio versus mm-hmm. something more all-encompassing. I like to think the brand stylist is very elevated. So it, it really it really depends, is yeah. my answer. What would you add to that? Well, just a small piece, really. I think it did. And I was talking to a client only this week about this because we were we were naming her new business. And I actually really like her name. She's not a designer, but she's she's going to be creating products and things. And I really liked her name. And we didn't go with that in the end. We came up with something else, which is really strong. But the reason we didn't is because she doesn't feel good about it. And I think that's the other thing. I said, you know, regardless of where it sits you in your space, you have to feel amazing about what your business is called and be proud to roll it off the tongue. And the energy that that's created in you is as important as the strategic or the commercial considerations because if you don't love your name then even if it sits really well in the industry it's not going to be a good choice for you because you're not, it's not going to come with the confidence and the feel good factor that you need to be able to consistently put yourself out there so i think it also depends on yeah how you feel about it yeah and actually on that i think i know the client you're talking about and from what you've said she herself is not the expert in her field mm. so there's something around it one are you an expert do you want to be known as an expert two yeah. you may love your name you may feel great about your name but is it creating the right impact so i've had a few meetings with a few clients where we've been naming stuff mm. over the the last 6 months and we've been like oh, it just doesn't feel elevated enough or it just doesn't feel, you know, it's a lovely name or it's too short. I mean, my maiden name, I had a friend say to me once, it's not a brand, is it? (laughs) Fiona Humberstone is a brand. (laughs) Fiona Rabab is not a brand. And she's right. It doesn't have that same level of, I love my name. I'm so proud of my Iranian name, but it it wouldn't be Mm. right. And And the other thing just to bear in mind is I have no issue with me being the Fiona Humberstone brand because I am never going to be able to sell that business. Yeah. But if you ask Joe Malone and Kath Kidston, was it a good good idea to name your businesses after yourself? Mm. They're well documented as saying no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also that speaks to the nature of the business as well, like you say. So well, exactly. So is it saleable? Is it product? Is it something that you're going to sell at some point? Yeah. Or, you know, the the brand, the, potentially the brand stylist is saleable, but the Fiona Humberstone consultancy practice is me yeah. and my expertise. There is nothing to sell. No, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas with the brand stylist, we've got a whole body of assets behind that that you you could potentially. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd be nuts too, but I could. Yeah, I, I could. <laughs> so we've got lots more questions that we'll need to come back to at another time to answer but I'd really love to close this with the opener from a lovely email from Simone Carr who says firstly I just wanted to thank you again for such a wonderful podcast Wednesday is my favorite day to tune in and you inspire me every time you've both really helped me to move from feeling like a hustle to tuning in to what is my magic Thank you, Simone. Job done. Done. Lovely, lovely. And yeah, anyone who has any questions answered, we will get to them in future episodes. So thank you, thank you. And do keep them coming, please, lovely folks. Yeah, we'd love, we'd, if this has inspired you to write your own question, please send it in because 
we'd love to do another one of these maybe as an early christmas present who knows nice all righty well have a fabulous weekend lovely we're going to be back after half term yep with season six or seven not quite sure where we're at but anyway with a new season and we've got a cracker to start absolutely cannot wait have a fabulous weekend have a fabulous half term break if you're taking one lovely folks see you soon Bye. bye thank you so much for tuning in to style and substance we really hope you've enjoyed the show You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.